0: Welcome to EXHALE, a podcast series where we explore interesting topics on respiratory care. Your hosts are Mark Russell, Marketing Communications Manager, and Jansen Lanier, National Sales Manager and Respiratory Therapist for VitalGraph North America, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Mark and Jansen start off the new year interviewing Heather Murgatroyd, a Respiratory Clinical Specialist with Methapharm. She's in charge of increasing awareness of bronchoprovocation testing and diagnosing asthma. Her role is a balance of customer education and support, clinical support for the sales team, and sales to hospitals, pulmonary clinics, and allergy and asthma clinics.
1: Well, welcome, Heather. Hey, why don't you please give us a little bit of background on yourself, education, experience, and your current responsibilities.
2: Great. So Happy New Year to both of you, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, I've been a respiratory therapist since 1994, so I consider myself a seasoned therapist. I finished my bachelor's degree in 2009. I really strongly support continuing education and advanced degrees, if possible, for the respiratory therapist. I think it's a wonderful opportunity if you want to do different things with your career. When I was in the hospital, I had the opportunity to cross-train to phlebotomy, EEG, pulmonary function and sleep. So I ended up working about six and a half years in the pulmonary function lab and 18 years in the sleep lab. In 2011, I took my first clinical specialist job. As a clinical specialist, which I love this role, I've developed continuing education programs for both respiratory therapists and sleep techs. And I present them um, at regional and state level conferences as well as to respiratory therapists in the hospital and in the clinic setting. And then I also, as a clinical specialist, support the inside and outside sales teams and provide clinical feedback on new products or product improvement. And with Methiform specifically, I train pulmonary function staff on bronchial challenge testing. And I continue to write and provide continuing education presentations, both live and for virtual presentations. And then I currently manage a uh, sales territory which includes five states as well as guam puerto rico and the u.s virgin islands so i'm testing the sales world waters as well
3: those are difficult places to travel we know that <laughs> well good funny uh my, my career started in sleep medicine as well and uh, kind of uh-huh. transferred over to pulmonary function and so forth so half of my career was in sleep and then uh, you know, the second half pulmonary function testing. So very similar. If you wouldn't mind, tell me about Methapharm, specialty pharmaceuticals.
2: So Methapharm, I'm really enjoying working with Methapharm or working at Methapharm. The goal of Methapharm is to be a clinical partner with the physicians and the respiratory therapists. Um, We recognize that asthma has a global impact on public health and that proper diagnosis is key. And we see some lacking in that area. So we're working really hard to raise awareness for objective testing in the diagnostic process. So we partner with clinicians and we provide diagnostic tools to assist in completing the puzzles. So those tools that we provide are both Provocholine for the Methacholine Challenge and Aridol for the Manitol Challenge.
1: And what types of products are carried by Methapharm Pharmaceuticals?
2: So Methapharm carries probicoline, which is the only FDA approved methicholine chloride solution. So it was approved by the FDA in 1986, and then Methapharm licensed it in 1996. So it's, it's the only approved methicholine chloride available to us in the United States. And in addition to the states, we're in several other countries. So Canada, the UK, South Korea, Portugal, and Chile, for example, and we're always expanding into additional countries. And then we also distribute Aerodol, so we don't manufacture Aerodol. We manufacture Provocholine as mm-hmm. well as distribute it. But Aerodol, we're the exclusive North American distributors of Aerodol, which is dry powder mannitol. And then sure. we we don't manufacture and we do not sell any nebulizers. But if you look at the most recent ATS technical standards that were released in 2017. They recommend using a characterized nebulizer to deliver methylcholine during the challenge and then to report provocative dose or PD 20. So, in keeping and highlighting our mission to be a clinical partner, we had a nebulizer characterized for respiratory therapists and we chose to characterize the Hudson RCI MicroMist. Again, we do not sell it and we're not advocating that you use this, but in response to Respiratory therapists saying, hey, we don't have nebs that are characterized. We went through the process of getting those characteristics. So there is a low cost globally available nebulizer available to therapists who want to use the PD-20 that's recommended in the ATS standards.
3: Got it. Has there been any, any updates with COVID and nebulizers that you guys uh, have, have felt or heard?
2: Um, the biggest thing that we're seeing is um, using expiratory filters. Mm -hmm. on the nebs and then I what I've also seen with many of the labs that I work with is when you're doing a bronchial provocation challenge on a patient you're reversing them and almost all of the labs that I work with have gone to MDI reversal rather than using nebulizer to deliver that bronchodilator at
3: the end. Absolutely Uh, we've seen the same exact thing Uh, you know our spacers things are pretty popular right now.
2: I also have, I have had a lot of respiratory therapists say they're looking at how can they incorporate negative pressure into their already existing pulmonary function labs. So that's, it's just something that it's been recommended, but we've just never had it. And so there are some labs that are already negative pressure, but the majority of the ones that I encounter are not. And there is discussion about, well, what can we do? How can we change this? How can we upgrade so that we have that capability?
3: I agree. So I see more hospitals have negative pressure as opposed to clinics and uh private mm-hmm. practice, correct? Yeah. 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 It'll it'll get there one of these days. Uh, yes. I feel I mean, I think when the price point comes down on some of those uh, systems, it'll be mm-hmm. easier for the private practices to go ahead and, and scoop those up.
2: Yeah, for sure.
3: So so next one I got is uh, what's methicoline challenge testing and uh, broncho provocation
2: So the methacholine challenge is a type of bronchoprovocation test. So there are several different ones available to us in the pulmonary function lab. Aerodol, the mannitol challenge is another. So bronchoprovocation Mm -hmm. challenges are indicated when asthma is suspected, but the traditional testing of spirometry doesn't provide a clear diagnosis. So the patient comes in, says that they are experiencing, you know, coughing, wheezing, chest tightness, those types of symptoms, which are really nonspecific. And so we test them with spirometry, and the spirometry just does not support an asthma diagnosis. That's when we bring in a bronchoprovocation test. So provocholine is indicated in patients who are five and up, as long as they can follow instructions and perform repeated and reproducible spirometry it's considered a direct bronchoprovocation stimuli, meaning that it binds to the receptors in the airway smooth muscles. And in responsive patients, you'll see changes in their pulmonary function. So if you have a patient who does not have asthma or who has non-responsive airways, you're not going to see that bronchoconstriction and those drops occur in the patient's FEV1. So I had a methacholine challenge. I don't have asthma. I don't have hyperreactive airways. I had a negative methacholine challenge. And the strength of the methacholine challenge is to rule asthma out. So it's a sensitive test. So that's what we see it used for. When the question is to rule out asthma, the methacholine challenge is indicated.
1: So why don't you tell me, you mentioned Aerodol. What is that and how is it used?
2: So Aerodol is dry mannitol, dry powder mannitol, and mannitol is a naturally occurring sugar alcohol. So the powder that the patient inhales is actually sweet. So it causes osmotic changes in the airways that can trigger an inflammatory cascade to occur. So what does that mean? Um, We see the release of inflammatory mediators. And again, in responsive airways, we can see bronchoconstriction and we see changes in the patient's spirometry. And like the methacholine challenge, we're measuring the patient's FEV1. And that is true of all the challenge tests that are out there, whether it's an exercise challenge or EVH, (eucapnic voluntary hyperventilation. They're all looking at the patient's FEV1 and changes in the FEV1. Specifically with the Aerodol challenge, it is an indirect challenge, causes the inflammation to occur, or the bronchoconstriction to occur indirectly. And this test is indicated for patients six and older, as long as they can follow directions and perform repeatable spirometry. So eridol is encapsulated in a gelatin capsule and it's placed in a dry powder inhaler and it's delivered to patients in increasing doses. So you deliver a dose, measure the patient's FEV1, deliver an increased dose, measure patient's FEV1, very similar to a methacholine challenge. And that's the beauty of these two tests is that you're constantly measuring changes or looking at the patient's spirometry in between doses before you deliver a higher dose. With eridol, we're looking for a 15% drop or greater in their FEV1 from their baseline FEV1. If there's a 15% drop, the test is positive and we reverse them with a bronchodilator as we do with all of the challenge tests. So there are differences between the way any of the challenge tests are done or how they're performed. And so we always encourage staff before they start tests to have, to have training on the specific challenge testing that they're doing, whether it's a methacholine challenge or an aerodol challenge or another challenge. And then for the challenge tests that we work with specifically, we offer to provide training to the staff.
3: Sure, let me ask you about the training for the patients. So when they're doing a dry powder inhaler maneuver, how are they instructed that they're doing it properly?
2: So with the aerodol challenge, what's really key because it's a dry powder, so obviously yep. it can cause coughing. And so Absolutely. historically we were re- we were told that patients that was one of the concerns. And so when the patient is inhaling the aerodol, they do a just a gentle head tilt back. So kind of a, a gentle sniffing position, just kind of to create a visual for you. And then they take a nice steady deep breath in, and you're listening for a rattle sound that tells you that the capsule is spinning in the dry powder inhaler. When the yes. rattle stops, that's an indication that the patient has reached peak inhalation. And at that point they hold their breath for five seconds and then they just do a nice gentle exhalation at the end of that five seconds. So that's how you deliver the mannitol. Got
1: it. So are there any side effects with aerodol?
2: Or or, or methadone
3: challenging. Yeah.
2: So um, with the aerodol challenge specifically during the safety studies, the most commonly reported side effect was a headache. Some throat irritation, nausea, cough was not even the most commonly reported. Mm -hmm. Dizziness, shortness of breath, chest tightness, wheezing, chest discomfort, the things that you would associate with potential bronchoconstriction. And they're transient, and they're easily quickly reversed with a bronchodilator. So, and as I said, the cough was a concern previously, but with the instruction of proper head position then allow it, then and also allowing the patient to sip water during the challenge, we really have not had reports from the labs that are using Manitol of excessive coughing. So sure. that's been really nice
3: what about funny. with methacoling challenges when some of that you know methacoling gets into the room uh, are you seeing any of the rts or, or staff members uh being affected by it so in the past I hit-
2: I have had anecdotal um, reports to me of staff responding to methicoline challenges. And that kind of, it goes back to being mindful and safe when you're doing a methacholine challenge. It is a bronchoconstrictor. So we discourage therapists with asthma from doing a methicoline challenge. Yep. Um, but if they are doing it, they should always take safety precautions, wear a mask, if they have a negative pressure room, obviously do your methacholines in the negative pressure room. Don't stand right in front of the aerosol if you're using a free-flowing nebulizer. Um, use expiratory filters if possible. Make sure that they turn the nebulizer, the oxygen, the flow meter down um, before they have the patient remove the nebulizer from their mouth so that there's not just you know aerosol flowing throughout the room. So there are safety precautions. Um, I know that there are many labs that if they don't have a negative pressure room, they are using HEPA room air filters. Um, mm-hmm. So there are precautions that we can take.
3: And it's always, uh, I say funny, it's funny as somebody that's seen it happen, somebody that's doing this uh, testing on, on a patient and all of a sudden they're being reactive and they never realized their entire life that they were uh, asthmatic of some sort, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah.
2: It's interesting. We as the company, we would get reports of, you know, adverse reactions and things like that. And that's just not something that we've really heard of though. I, again, I hear it anecdotally in the field but I don't see any reports of that.
3: Yeah. Do you see more people moving to products that keep everything contained? I know that uh, one of the previous products I had in my bag was one of those that kind of had everything self-contained within a unit. So it didn't exit out into the room.
0: So
2: you mean, are you meaning like breath-actuated nebulizers or nebulizers that have lots of expiratory filters and one-way valves?
3: Uh, kind of like the APS with, uh, with ViAir.
2: Mm-hmm. So we do work with labs that use um, the APS for sure. In the most recent technical standards of 2017, they're moving away from dosimeters. Okay. Um, and so, because they do, they discourage deep breaths and breath holds during the methylcholine challenge, because you can see some bronchoprotective effect occur, and so they do um, encourage nebulizers, whether it's just a typical nebulizer or a breath-actuated nebulizer. But I do have labs that work with APS, and I have labs that still have you know other dosimeters that they use, and they treat them with kid gloves. Um, because it's hard to get parts and hard to get them fixed. Yeah, true. Um, so, but yeah, we do see that. Yes, absolutely. And you can do a meth challenge with those those types of devices as well. We have lots of labs with Bayer.
3: Sure. Uh, another thing I had that was kind of off of our list was phenotesting. So phenotesting versus meth challenges and provocation. What do you see out in the field
2: We're seeing more and more um, labs having pheno, not for use during the actual diagnostic, the initial diagnostic testing, but more in the maintenance um, to measure if there's any active airway inflammation occurring.
1: Interesting. So on testing, since COVID started last year and, and then this year, have you seen testing drop or increase? What's going on?
2: Challenge testing? Yes. Yeah we saw a huge drop obviously when covid first hit yeah labs just locked down and stopped all but very essential you know pre transplant pre chemo types of high uh, risk
3: patients yep
2: yeah and so um we have seen lab, they were slow to come back there are some labs out there that never stopped but we the vast majority of them really really s- just slowed down slow extremely down. Hard. Yeah. Um, now we're seeing them pick up most of the labs that I work with or most of the area that I cover are doing it. They've made changes though, as far as timing, they they might only do them at the very end of the day. They might do them one day a week, but there's, and they have extra time between the tests and things like that. But yeah, we definitely saw a, a halt in the challenge testing. And then obviously people have big backlogs in the challenge tests that need to be done. So a lot of catch up. Yes, a lot of catch up.
3: In your opinion, what is the importance of objective testing in in the diagnostic process? Not just with uh, bronchial challenges, but spirometry in general.
2: I always point out to respiratory therapists that we work with really expensive and complicated diseases. So if you think about asthma or COPD or pulmonary fibrosis and things like that, our patients are challenging. They are not the same. what, What asthma looks like in one patient is different in another patient, and they're expensive. So if we look at the most recent reported costs of asthma, we see about $82 billion. In total costs and the guidelines for asthma diagnosis indicate that spirometry is part of the process that's where we start is with spirometry and unfortunately research shows us that about half of the patients have spirometry prior to being diagnosed with asthma and up to a third of them are incorrectly diagnosed so there's a really good study that was released in 2017 the primary author is uh, dr aaron out of canada and it was a multi-center study and they showed, that's where this data is coming from, that patients are just not having the spirometry that is recommended and they are being misdiagnosed. And when the spirometry is completed and it's inconclusive, even you know the patients just don't have that bronchoprovocation challenge testing like a methicoline challenge or an exercise challenge. And this is unfortunate because the symptoms reported by patients, um, as I said earlier, are not specific to asthma. So if I go through the list of commonly reported symptoms, shortness of breath, cough, chest tightness, wheezing, these describe a whole lot of diseases and many of them have very different treatments. So if you think about what does vocal cord dysfunction look like? It can present with wheezing, shortness of breath, chest tightness, and cough. It's not treated with the same types of medications as asthma. Anxiety, you know, panic attacks or anxiety disorder, chest tightness, coughing, shortness of breath, not treated with bronchodilators or any other type of asthma medications, bronchiectasis, CHF, they have the same symptoms, but they're treated differently. And that's where I get a little bit on a soapbox with respiratory therapists that we need to advocate for our patients to have objective testing rather than just treating the symptoms. So in the Aaron study that I mentioned previously, they had the patients who were participating in the study retested and they found 22 different diagnoses in the patients who had been previously diagnosed with asthma. And they didn't have asthma. They had things like vocal cord dysfunction, CHF, yeah. bronchiectasis, and, and, and GERD, You know, things that are not treated the same. And so because asthma is so costly to our healthcare system, we as the, the experts in lung health have to advocate for patients. So I tell respiratory therapists who aren't, who are not in the pulmonary function lab, if you're working with a patient who tells you they have asthma, but they've never had spirometry, advocate for them to get that spirometry done to make sure that they're on the right medications and they have the right treatment plan.
3: Absolutely. You know, I I speak to a lot of asthmatic patients, COPD patients and so forth, and we talk about proper inhaler use. You know, I'm not trying to plug our product, but one of our products called The Aim uh is an aerosol inhalation monitor basically one that trains you how to use it properly so when you are utilizing your inhaler you're actually getting it into lower lungs instead of just you know holding in the back of your throat top of the lungs whatever it may be and i've had some patients that have gone through this and then all of a sudden two days later they're giving me a hug because they finally can breathe you know Mm -hmm. they're only getting half dose for let's say 15 years all of a sudden they get a full dose bam it's like uh you know we were in sleep medicine when somebody comes into the lab they're upset about being hooked up they get a good night's sleep because they Mm -hmm. did a split night get a pap whatever it is and they wake up they're feeling great and so once they go through that and feel it and things are working properly it's it's a game changer yeah we always advocate proper technique of of Mm -hmm. inhalation devices
2: Absolutely. And that's another thing that I talk about with the therapists is how often do we educate patient on their, patients on their inhaler use when they have them?
0: Once, In my respect, that, every,
2: Right, but what should, it should be every time we see them. Every exactly. time we see them. One of the other things that the ATS talks about is not only do we diagnose our patients properly, but then we also have to follow up with them. So spirometry is not a one and done test for our asthmatic patients. They need to have follow-up. We need to make sure that they're being properly maintained because if we have a patient who has asthma and they have that inflammation occurring in their airways and it's not properly maintained, that's going to lead to more rapid declines in their lung function and the potential for other things to start to develop as well. If they're not properly maintained, our job is not complete
1: well this has been very interesting Uh, i've learned a lot and do you have any other advice to some of our listeners a lot of them are respiratory therapists do you have any closing comments
2: i'd like to encourage respiratory therapists to do everything i know we're so busy but to do everything they can to stay up on the new medications that are available so that when a patient comes to you and asks about them you have heard of it and you you know what it's indicated for and then I also advocate for continuing education for our respiratory therapists. It's it's so important. We are the lung experts. We are the healthcare people that people should turn to when they have questions about their pulmonary health. And I just really advocate for the respiratory therapist to stay up on all the hot topics. So that's one of the benefits I think of your podcast is that you are providing that information to them through this format and I appreciate
3: exactly. that. We, we also have webinars that provide uh, CEUs and things like that. But then, you know, I, I mentioned our SpireTutor.com. It has the mm-hmm. prompter concepts that also provides AARC credits. So, you know, yeah. we're always trying to be a resource. That's kind of my little stick for post-COVID is be the resource, not the salesperson. Right so. and
2: that's and that's ex- absolutely our position as well we do have CRCEs that are AARC approved on our website as well they're specific to the methacholine challenge and the mannitol challenge but they're good for any other respiratory therapist but if you have your CPFT or your RPFT designation they are pulmonary function specific. So I love that we're having this conversation because clearly we all are big fans of continuing education for the respiratory therapists and I think more of us need to be out there beating that drum saying stay up on the the latest stay up exactly. keep yourself challenge yourself. No pun intended.
3: <laughs> exactly. Well Heather can you can you give us your
2: website real quick? For the courses it's courses.methafarm.com.
3: Beautiful. And then is it www.methafarm.com?
2: methafarm.com. Yeah.
1: Wonderful, Heather. Thank you so So, much. This has been very
3: informative.
1: And we ran into each other at the ACAAI, one of our first shows that we had last year that was live. And it was It was great meeting you. And I believe you've got a friend, Holly, that was a past Mm -hmm. interviewee on Mm -hmm. our podcast. And it's great that we're all well-connected and continue on to get information out to our audience. So thanks again for being on.
2: Definitely. Thank you for having me.
0: You have just listened to Exhale with Vitalograph with your hosts, Mark Russell and Jancel Lanier. Please subscribe to our podcast on podbeam.com. Or find us on any popular podcast platform to catch our next episode. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on Exhale with Vitalograph.